0: We're going to talk this evening a little bit about the probably the most misunderstood emotion among Christians. Anger. And if you say, "Oh, Father, well, I don't really struggle with anger. I don't have loud outbursts. I don't grit my teeth." Well, let me tell you some of the close cousins of anger. Hatred, frustration, judgment, resentment, grudges, impatience and passive aggressiveness. Which one of us doesn't struggle with anger? But then the question is, is anger a sin? Because some people come to me in confession and say, Father, I got angry. Well, is anger a sin? Well, Jesus got angry, didn't he? We all know about Jesus' anger in the temple where he flipped over the money changers' tables, but that wasn't the only time he got angry. Jesus got angry multiple times. That he got angry... When at Peter, yelling at him to get behind me, Satan. Jesus got angry when he talked to the Sadducees and the Pharisees saying, you hypocrites, over and over again. He got angry when he said, if you cause a little one to stumble, it would be better for a millstone to be tied around your neck and you be thrown into the sea. Jesus got angry when the apostles were trying to keep the little children from him. And the word in one translation of scripture says Jesus was indignant with them. Let the little children come to me. So if we truly believe that Jesus was without sin, then anger can't be sinful in and of itself. To be angry is not to be sinful. So what is anger, and what do we do with it as Christians? See, an emotion isn't good or bad. It just is. We're human, therefore we have emotions. That's why Jesus got angry, because he was fully God and fully human. And so he felt every emotion that we feel. So what does anger tell us? What is that emotion of anger trying to tell us in that moment? Why am I angry? Anger comes out of a perceived injustice. That I am seeing something or hearing something that at least I perceive as unjust. Or another way to look at it would be that I am weighing the injury that is being done by the words, the thoughts, the actions, and then I'm weighing what sort of satisfaction should be done because of the harm that is done, right? They said this bad thing, they should apologize. Weighing the hurt and the satisfaction. We perceive an injustice. So far, no sin has been committed. I am angry that I perceive an injustice and that it should be different than what it is. But then we come to what we hear from our first reading. In that moment of anger, where we have this emotion, this feeling, and we perceive an injustice, then we are given water and fire, life and death, good, and evil. And now we have the ability to choose to express our anger virtuously or to express our anger in vice and in sinfulness. The struggle with anger is because it is felt as a negative emotion, right? Anger doesn't make us all smiley, or it shouldn't. You've got problems if it does. It's a negative emotion, and it's a strong one right? Anger has a lot of force behind it. And so it is easy enough for us to slip up into sinful anger. But if Jesus got angry, then just anger must be possible. So how do we know if our anger is justified? First, it's for a just cause. So probably nine times out of ten, That just cause is not going to be rooted in yourself. The just cause is going to be anger for the injustice done to someone else, because it is too easy for our pride to take over and for it quickly to dissolve into an unjust cause. So first, it has to be a just cause. Second, it has to be under control, meaning that our will, our reason, is an equal value as the emotion that we're feeling. The moment that the emotion starts to take over and we no longer have the ability to freely choose what I should do, now we've slipped into sinful anger. The emotion has to be controlled or guided or directed by our reason and our will. And finally, once the unjust circumstance has passed, anger Quickly subdues. It goes away. It's dealt with the situation. Now I walk away and I'm no longer possessed by this anger. On the flip side, anger becomes sinful when it becomes accusatory and judgmental, that it throws things at the other person instead of taking it to ourselves. Anger becomes sinful when it becomes irrational. When we let the emotion dictate our thoughts, our words, and our actions, right? Ooh, I can't believe I just said that. And anger becomes sinful when it lingers. That even after the moment is gone, that anger transforming into resentment or judgment continues to linger. Or we take that anger and we transfer it on to somebody else. Had A bad encounter with this person, a bad day at work, and now I come home, and that anger gets transferred over to someone else who has nothing to do with it. It lingers on afterwards. Why do we do this? Why do we let anger take hold of us, whether overtly or interiorly, for those of us that like to bottle it all up inside? It's because when we perceive this injustice... We want to correct it. We want it to be better. And so we can use our anger, sinfully, as a source of power and control. Right? Just think about how we use anger with children. When they are doing or saying something that they shouldn't, our anger is there to correct it. We want them to stop doing that, to do better, because we don't want that to continue in them. We're trying to control their thoughts and their words and their actions through our anger. We also do it because by projecting the anger outwards, I don't have to look at myself. I can avoid everything that is imperfect and worthy of judgment within myself, and I can just transfer it elsewhere. And then if we do those two things often enough, what anger also becomes is a habit that I start to become habituated that when I deal with this situation, you know, when somebody insults me or questions my character, my response is volatile anger. And we do that often enough, and then we start to lose the ability to choose how I'm going to respond to that particular word and that particular situation. And so anger, we use it, to gain power and control over situations. We use it to avoid having to confront the imperfection within ourselves, And then through that, it becomes a habit that we lean on to deal with the injustice that is around us. So what do we do with it? See, part of the struggle is that for every human being, because the law of God is written on our hearts, Christian or not, we innately have a sense of justice, right? Think about how young a child begins to understand that's not fair, right? From a very young age, we already perceive what is just and what is unjust. And from that perception, we want things to be just everywhere. And we want to correct the injustice that we encounter in our life. But then, Jesus tells us in the gospel. The danger, right? He says, when you are on your road with your accuser, settle your debt quickly because otherwise you will be given to prison and then you will be forced to pay the last penny. He's talking about strict justice, right? If we need justice in every situation, anger will take hold of our life because we will continually face injustice after injustice around us. And then what happens over time is we simply start to perceive injustice, whether it's actually objectively true or not, because now I've become a victim of the injustice around me, and now I'm just angry at everything that is perceived to be unjust by me. And now I'm just a bitter and angry person, because nothing is as it should be. Here's what Archbishop Fulton Sheen says in his little book, Victory Over Vice. He says, Tell me your hatred, and I will tell you your character. Do you hate religion? Then your conscience bothers you. Do you hate the wealthy? Then you are avaricious and you want to be wealthy. Do you hate the common worker? Then you are selfish and a snob. Do you hate sin? then you love God. Do you hate your hate, your selfishness, your quick temper, your wickedness? Then you are a good soul. A simple truth is that most of the time, what we dislike in others, what we hate in others, is the part of us that we don't like within ourselves. And so our cry for justice in the world around us is the cry for justice within our own soul. So what do we do? What do we do with this anger? How do we allow anger to become virtuous instead of taking control of it and it becoming selfish and self-serving every time we get angry in a situation? What did Jesus do with anger thrown his way. Jesus faced the anger of the masses at the cross. Everybody was angry except a few people standing at the foot of the cross, spitting on him and whipping him and calling him names and shouting insults and questioning his character. Everything was thrown at him at the cross. And what was his response? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He was letting go of the need to have everything justified. He said, to justify everything is not mine. I seek to understand why they are so angry that I do not understand how they could be so angry when all I want to do is save their soul. But it's not mine. I forgive them. The willingness to be forgiven and to forgive is so closely tied with the ability to live our anger virtuously, that if we do not have one, we cannot live the other. This is why every time we pray the Our Father, we say, Father, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Which I get, those that have experienced hurt, deep hurt at the hands of others, But it still takes me aback every time I hear a Christian say, I will never forgive that person for what they've done. It might be really hard. It might take you a lifetime to forgive them. But never can we say, I cannot forgive this person. I will not forgive this person. Now, what we need to remember in that, what I often tell people when they've been severely hurt by the words or the actions of others, so what we need to start from is the anger is usually a response to protecting the hurt that is there. And so until we allow that hurt to begin to be healed, we will never be able to forgive them. Don't try to forgive them when every time that you see them or every time that you even think about them, all of the hurt from the past just comes right back up and makes you angry to the same degree, and over time, exponentially more angry than you did in the first place. It has to begin with that hurt. Otherwise, that hurt will feed your anger at that situation, and grow over time, even if you haven't spoken to that person in decades. Because anger is insidious, and it will become a poison in our soul. And so when we struggle with that, we run to the one who teaches us how forgiveness is tied to facing the anger that's in our life. That we need him. We need him first to forgive us. We need Christ to justify our own soul because we cannot even do that within ourselves. That there are still parts within ourselves that I really don't like and I need Christ to justify that for me. And only when that healing begins within my own soul can I hope to bring it to those who have been unjust towards me. So that when I perceive injustice and I get angry at the injustice, it doesn't become incumbent on me to correct that justice. That I can be right alongside Christ angry But Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Because to be a Christian is to be human. And to be human is to get angry. But to be a Christian is to allow that anger to be driven towards the right cause. Towards justice. Not our own, but that of God's. Because it is not ours to create that justice, but God's alone.